Have you ever wondered how to build deeper relationships based on research so that you can get better results for yourself and your employees? That's what we're going to talk about today. This is the Your Business Story podcast, and I'm your host, Kristen Spencer. Let's do this. She's on a business writing mission to make sure you know what words to say so that what you deserve is what you'll get paid because storytelling changes everything. Get pumped for the epic knowledge in today's episode of Your Business Story. This is episode 30 of season one, Grow Your Business by Knocking with Rebecca Leader. Today, we have an amazing guest with us, Rebecca Leader. Thank you, Rebecca, so much for coming on the show. How are you? Thank you. I'm doing well. And at first, I thought you said that you care more about everyone's coffee than coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I, I do care some about their coffee, definitely not as much as I do about their coffee. So thank you for clarifying that. Yes, no problem. Okay, so you are on the show today. Um, You're an author, an educator, a trainer, an instructional designer. You have a lot of amazing things going on. Is that fair to say? Thank you. I do. And I've always sort of had uh, sort of worn multiple hats, but um, probably similar to you as a copywriter, I'm a big fan of coming up with a theme underlying um, with all of those, those things. So a common thread. Uh, and so with all of those things, I have a passion for helping individuals and organizations and teams um, build more meaningful work, build more meaningful careers. And yes. um, at the root of that is my life mission, which is to bring people together. So whether that's around a dinner table at a dinner party or whether that's in a workshop um, to help people learn how to collaborate uh, more effectively internally in an organization or helping people build meaningful careers in a live online course or through coaching. All of that is about building relationships and bringing people together. So that's sort of my underlying theme. Nice. So you're a people person then, is that fair to say? I would say yes. And I am also a misunderstood uh, introverted extrovert as a people person. Okay. That's, I would love to hear a tiny bit more about that because I'm extremely introverted and yet here I am hosting a podcast. So what do you mean by introverted extrovert? Sure. I'm curious if it's similar for you, but, um, I do love to build relationships and I do love to be around people and that fills up my cup. And I also love to sort of, um, slow down, do some Mm -hmm. yoga, go for a hike, just have some time to think and to write. And uh, that's sort of the introverted side. So I sort of need that balance to uh, fill me up and and make me feel energized to be in the company of amazing humans. Okay, so you need both things. Correct. Okay, so have you heard the phrase ambivert? It sounds familiar. Tell me more. So it's someone who needs different parts of the different aspects of being an introvert and an extrovert. But of course, it encompasses so many things. I don't know if the one word is is as helpful as we would like it to be, but it sounds like you know yourself really well and you know, okay, I need these things to address my introvert side and I need these other things to address my extrovert side. Yes, I would say so. How about you? <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely just like an introvert introvert. I really have to... Um, push myself to be more extroverted. And the way that I've learned to trick my brain is that I care so much about people that it kind of calms my uh, what would be my anxiety. Because if I don't talk to someone, I can't find out about their story. I can't figure out how I can help them. I can't understand what big things they need to just have an ear for right now and be listened to about. So that's how I motivate myself to go out and do what I do every day. And then I, you know, I was joking with my husband yesterday that then I hibernate into a human bear on my rug in my office for 16 hours. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. It takes a lot of energy to gear up for the conversation. And then afterwards, there's always the decompression. But it sounds like you align with sort of your values um, and your purpose to sort of get through, push through that challenge. 
Right. And I know that's something that you talk about in your book, which I read a big chunk of this morning. Um, So we're definitely going to talk about that. But I feel like the questions tie into what's in your book as well. So are you ready for question number one? I think so. We'll see. (laughs) Okay. So what is the most important problem that you solve for your client? And you work with organizations and individuals, right? That's correct. I work with both. Uh, The most important problem that I'm solving is uh, to fill the confidence and education gap when it comes to building uh, deeper career relationships. And what I mean by that is that um, many people want to be building relationships in their careers. Sometimes we feel like it falls off after we've made the initial connection and we don't keep the door open or we don't know when the right time is to sort of follow up or if it feels like we're nagging. Um, right. A lot of times that comes up is I, you know, I connected, but I don't know how to sort of keep that going. Other times it's, I have stage fright. I don't want to push the button to hit send and introduce myself and, 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 you know, um, fear of failure, whatever you define failure as, which in my mind, a lot of that, you may not get a flat out no in response to your email, but you might not get any response at all, which could mean the person's busy. Right. But we, we create these emotions in our head and these stories that you know, why would someone respond to me? I'm bothering them. And uh, so that's sort of the confidence gap. And also what comes with that is how do I reach out to open the door with someone? Uh, How do I approach this meeting? How do I prepare for this big uh, presentation for my leadership? How do I build these relationships? And what are the actual steps to do it? Because we hear, you know, it's who you know that matters, or we hear, you know, you have to network. But a lot of times we don't break it down into really the, the base basic level of how to do it. And I think that's where we get often stuck is that we want to do it. We see the value, but we don't know what to do. And so um, that's where the education comes in and uh, the knock method, which is my five-step framework for building high quality career relationships comes in. It is a step-by-step guide. Hopefully that came through to you. I'd love to hear your thoughts, your initial thoughts. And it does have resources um, included in the book as well. And I have three resources on my website, but essentially the classes that I teach, the workshops, the trainings that I do um, are really very applicable hands-on so that we can get down to that base level. How do I go about building these relationships? Even if I'm at, you know, the most introverted introvert (laughs) that exists, how do I do it? You know, I have my heart's racing. I haven't even met this person yet, but don't know what to do. And so the education balances out the confidence. And my point of view is when you are more prepared, your confidence will rise and you'll feel more comfortable Mm. and confident. And also you'll feel like you can be authentic and be yourself when you come to that relationship. I love that. Uh, and I, I also, okay, for two things about me. First of all, you don't know this, but I'm obsessed with frameworks, like <laughs> literally obsessed. I have frameworks for everything. <laughs> so when I saw that you had like the framework and you had, you know, knock, which is, um, oh gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? An acronym, yes. right? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yay. And also it's a really smart acronym. It's not one of those weird ones where someone was trying to make it work and it didn't really work. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm glad to hear that because it used to be eight steps and I got some really valuable feedback from someone whose feedback I very much value. And um, they, you know, reminded me that that five steps or less is really where we can get into the memory zone. So yeah, I'm glad it doesn't feel because I did have to sort of twist and turn a few of the steps to make sure that it, it made sense and it was logical and it fit. It, yeah, it's great. And we do have a few viewers live. So if you have any questions um, for Rebecca, go ahead and drop them in the comments and we'll try to get to them by the end of the show. So thanks everyone who's tuning in. We're having a blast together, having some uh, morning or I guess in my time, it's almost afternoon uh, coffee, right? <laughs> so how... I'm I'm curious because I'm a confidence person. Like I talk about confidence all the time. I've written books about it. Um, that's how I got my start actually as a, a writer and as a bestselling author was my first book was about confidence and it just took off. And I had no idea it was a, a success because I was just that inexperienced. I was like, oh, 30,000 copies. That's not a big deal. And then, you know, 10 years later, I was like, oh my gosh, that, that really happened. Um, 
<laughs> so how do you deal with, like, I know you said that when you prepare, you're more confident, but do you think there's anything else that they need to do aside from prepare by like knowing more about the person they're interacting with? Do you like recommend any mindset work that they do or how do they face themselves, I guess, before they go into the room with someone else? Yes. So I love this question because in some of the workshops that we do, it's two-sided. It's how do I prepare understanding the person I'm going to be learning about presenting um, to uh, building a relationship with. And to do that, you have to know how to present yourself. So it is both sided. In fact, I thought about my book being sort of split in half where one was sort of how to reach out and the other is how to be on the receiving end. Um, And so that's where personal brand comes in. Uh, That's probably a whole other book, but there is some of that woven into the knock method. And um, a lot of it has to do with when you do your research about the conference you're going to, like I'm going to one this week and I was reading the website last night to try to understand more about the audience and um, the program and all that. Uh, or you're going to meet with someone that your manager suggested that you connect with and another team and you've never met him before and you're in a remote hybrid working world. And so you don't really know much about them, right? So you're preparing to know them. Then you think about, okay, what are the pieces of me that I can pull out that match mm. what we could potentially have in common or what we could be talking about? And so that's a starting point is if you're not quite sure, you don't feel confident to just say, this is who I am. And this is my elevator pitch. And this is my summary <laughs> right. top of my resume, which most of us don't. Um, then think about the context in which you're in. And personally, this has come up for me when you mentioned in the beginning, wearing multiple hats and having even multiple personal brands or personas, like you're an author, you're now also a podcast host, right? Like right. Have new titles that you're adding. Yes. Um, not just titles, but uh, problems that you're solving and, and meaningful work that you're doing. And people have always asked about that. Um, you know, how do you manage multiple brands, personal brands, we could say. And my answer has not changed too much, although I continue to see it present itself, which is I pull out the pieces of me that are applicable to a situation. You don't know exactly what you're going to face. Always you can prepare you know, right. for a conversation like this. So I kind of know the pieces I might start pulling out, but um, that's a good place to start is to think about your audience and then sort of um, adjust your approach or, or um, present the pieces of you that, that fit the, the scenario so that you then have, you know, something to, to rally around and something to, uh, to relate on. And so that's right. advice there as a starting point. Yeah, I love that. So would you say, and this is the advice that I give, is that you kind of need to know your own story so that you can access the parts of it that are going to help you relate to the other person? Yes. And <laughs> we may have multiple stories, right? Like your right. story or an, your definition of story could be your whole story. All right. <laughs> or it could be your story of, you know, of your first career or your story of, your upbringing, right? So, so story could be, you know. Yeah, I have, I definitely have like categories where, and I walk through them with my clients where we do like your business origin story, your story of intense struggle, the story of a client you got to win for. Cause that's my whole, you know, I'm story obsessed, which I think everyone knows about me, which is probably why you're like, Hey, look at my book and let's talk about it. And I was like, yes, let's do it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I love that you're focused on stories and I would hear about storytelling. That's another example. We hear about these concepts of storytelling and it's like, Oh, everyone's doing it. It's the buzzword, but getting down to what is your story and how do you convey that? Um, and you can shape the same story 25 different ways for context. And and you know, that's in the applicable side in the career or job search space. That's where you craft your cover letter you're telling a different story for a different opportunity every time with the same base story. Right. You're still the same person. Like you said, you're just shaping it so that it's, it fits the thing that you, the goal you have for that moment. Right. Cause you don't always have the same goal. Our goals change depending on what we're doing. Correct. 
and also to consider the goals of the organization or the team or the hiring team or the role. So that's where it's the double side comes back is how do you tell your story in the context of their story? Yes, I know. And that could be um, confusing. And yes, this we are recording this live. Someone just asked, is this live? It is literally live. We're hanging out together and talking uh, with Rebecca Leader. And we're about to ask question number two. So are you ready for question number two? I'm ready. I'm warmed up. All right. So and listen carefully for it because this is kind of a trick question, but it's the best way I've found to ask it. So what is the biggest pain your client is in right now? And what do they think they need to solve it? Because you know what they actually need, but what do they think they need? Mm. There are multiple answers to this question. So I'm okay, you can on one theme. Um, yeah, you can do a couple or you can pick one. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to... Um, brainstorm a little more. Can you repeat the question one more time? Yes. So what is the biggest pain your client is in right now? And what do they think they need to solve it? Okay. Um, from the business standpoint, one of the biggest pains I've noticed is employee retention. Oh, yeah, that's a big one. Um, or I, I, in another way, I would say... Uh, weaker employee retention would be the pain right. uh, goal would then be improving employee retention. Um, there's just been so much shuffling, uh, in this economy. And so there's that lack of confidence from the business side, but also from the individual side, is this the right opportunity for me or are my employees going to stay so that we're planning for the next fiscal year? And I don't know if you know, we're going to have that certainty in place. So there's there's a confidence piece, but there's so much in flux right now. Um, and so I think organizations are trying to appreciate and uh, invest in their workforces uh, and in their employees so that people do feel confident and fulfilled and that they're doing meaningful work and that they are connected and included and um, that they can be themselves at work and bring their culture and bring their story to work as well as doing you know their their job. So I think that's probably the biggest pain. What do they think they need? That's a very multi-pronged answer. I, I don't think there's one answer to that. Okay. Um, but like, what's the thing you hear most often that like, because this is how I reflect on it in my own business. I'll hear them say this, like if we could just... And then a sentence. And they'll probably say it a few times. And when I've heard three people say the same thing, I'm like, that's what they think. We'll solve it. Well, I keep coming back to the problem. Like if we could just make <laughs> our employees feel like they're valued and that they're appreciated and um, that we could do that in the context of so many challenges that we're facing as a company. Right. So I'm. Yeah. So how do they make this more concise? But yeah, the problem leads to, um, I think it leads to more questions than answers. And that's where there are so many answers, right? Is it, um, do we, if, is a hiring freeze the answer so that we focus on our current employees or does that actually reduce morale because people feel like, oh, we're not hiring, we're not doing well, maybe I should look for another position, right? So that's an example. Um, maybe you can lead me to the concise response. But I think there are so many elements at play right now that I haven't heard one common answer. Okay. That makes it complicated for you, right? Because you're like, okay, they're throwing all these things at me. And now I need to think of how I can reframe what they think they need. Because what is the what is the big thing that you're helping them with to address this problem? Maybe let's work backward. Yes, I love it. Uh, we, my organizational clients and I are working to invest in employees, in, in teams and in groups, including... Uh, employee resource groups. So women's leadership groups, for example, okay. or women of color, for example, have these affinity groups within organizations. So investing in these groups to provide education, empowerment, confidence 
and make them feel heard, seen, and also provide resources and, and um, learning and development so that, that you're not only doing your job, you are creating community and you feel um, connected and you feel included and you feel that you're also gaining new skills uh, that you can use in this job or in your future job should you move on, uh, but that you're developing as a person. And so I think that's, that solution becomes when we can demonstrate to employees or to individuals that we are investing in them as individuals beyond simply an employee at an organization. Of course, that's the basic level. How do we go above and beyond that? And, it, and I've seen articles on both sides. It's not necessarily ping pong tables to lure you back into an office. It's not necessarily, you know, um, certain benefits. It is how do you feel like your employer, your team, your leadership be- believes in you, cares about you as a whole mm. person. Um, yeah. And that requ- that requires understanding and also organizational uh, challenges of figuring out how, is, is this a hybrid working situation? Is this remote? Do we need people in the office full time? How does that work? So these are some examples, again, potentially lead us to that concise response. I think, I, I think it's, I, I think I got it. Investing in individuals who are part of your organization. Um, and that's the solution that we're solving for through the lens of we have this methodology and training and learning and development on how to build skills uh, to develop higher quality relationships in your career. That could mean with a mentor. That could mean with your hiring manager if you're um, looking for a role internally on a different team. That could mean with your colleagues. That could mean with your interns. That could mean with your customers, right? So there are all these career relationships. And depending on what situation you're in, uh, you might want to build stronger relationships um, in your career. And you can pull from this bag of tricks, so to speak. Right, right. With the methodology. That, that is your, your priority of the moment. And so when organizations invest in this kind of learning and training, it's not just for the moment. It's not just for this fiscal year. It's not just for, you know, this year's top five priorities. It's for all of our priorities at work and it's going to help you in your career. It's going to help you in that presentation to the executives. It's going to help you when you're having a coffee chat because you're kind of interested in what this other team does that you might want to, you know, explore moving to. So there's a lot of, um, there are a lot of avenues that this kind of learning and development can, um, can apply to. And so when my perspective is when you invest in your employees and help them feel, um, that they are, you know, they are human and you're yes. <laughs> them as a person and you're enabling them to grow and learn in their role and also in your company and also in their lives and their broader career. I believe that that is one of the avenues to um, sort of solving employee retention. That's not the main point, but right. I, in, on the way to that, you are solving for that kind of point. Yeah. And okay. I have an idea and you can tell me if this is right or not. It sounds like you're helping them. What they need to do is build higher quality relationships. And the only real way to do that is to understand that each human is individual and to be more flexible with their approach while they're thinking long-term so that they can earn that trust and keep that employee feeling valued so that they want to stay and build those relationships further. So I love that perspective. And that is from the, the company, the organizational standpoint, right? Also the sort of meta based, like they're, they're sort of circles within circles here, but um, it's also about investing in your people so that they have the skills to build those relationships and they feel empowered to do that as well. So it's, um, it's both. At the same time. I think that's I think it's that's part of the flexibility, right, is knowing that people don't want to stay where they are. They want to progress and change and get better. And when you give them the opportunity to do that, you're saying, I trust you to take these resources and use them in a way that best fits you as you're part of the organization. All right. Let's take a few seconds for our sponsor break because their business stories matter, too. When people ask what you do as a professional, 
Do your palms and pits start to sweat? Do you break out in hives? Well, don't worry, we've got you covered. Today, you can take Literary Symmetry's complimentary 30-minute masterclass to help you craft your one big sentence so that next time you have 60 seconds to share your story, you know exactly what to say. Because your business story matters, sign up today at literarysymmetry.com forward slash pathway. And now, back to our episode about an epic business owner just like you. Sure. That's a really great perspective. And I had never thought of it exactly with that angle. And I hadn't really thought of it from the trust angle. I think that's embedded there. Um, Definitely. See it more. It is, it is embedded there. And it is not only trust, it is um, you are a part of our team. You are a part of our community. And um Again, it's going above and beyond investing in your employees simply as an employee and going into the more human level. And so uh, the work that I do is about um, not only how to build those relationships, but the benefits as well, which um, I've been fortunate to lean on some amazing research um, from That's the best. I scholars love that. that I <laughs> admire so much. Um, and the research talks about the health benefits of building high quality relationships in your, in your career and in your life. Um, they can be both, you know, both right. and that your well-being improves. And you in fact, they've, they've found research that says your heart rate is healthier and your blood pressure can be healthier when you have those kinds of relationships, like, like a mentor who you trust, um, either at work or outside of your company, um, that you can lean on when you're looking for advice for work. Right. Um, or when you have colleagues that you, you know, you all get along and you can talk about challenges and opportunities and even just become friends, those kinds of high quality connections that are positive, mutually beneficial long-term, those can improve your health and your well-being. When you feel happier, you're probably, you know, feeling better, not probably, I've experienced it myself, Right. Yeah. you're more likely to feel um, more satisfied and fulfilled in your day and your work is a big part of your day. And so the well-being piece is huge. And that's um, one of the answers to your question, I think, as well as investing in the well-being of your employees um, can lead to that pain point of um, of reduced employee retention. Yeah, uh, Organizations can't solve for it exclusively. There could be a big part of someone's career story where maybe they're just not flexing a specific muscle that they have or they built a new skill and they want to use it more. Um, and the only way to do that is somewhere else or in a different role, right? So you can't solve it uh, for everyone, but you can make employees feel valued and safe and give them tools, learning, development, growth opportunities to feel um, valued and uh, to feel well. And that can potentially lead to, um, you know, a, a stronger workforce and as well as the collaboration piece. So think about right. a network and a web and the more you feel like you can connect across the organization, the more you're going to feel secure if you just made a big, you know, you had a big presentation. It didn't go quite as well as you wanted it to, but you yeah. leave, you, know, you reach out to someone on another team who was there and ask them for feedback or advice or just to be a sounding board to help give you reassurance, right? So these skills um, and when you invest in, in developing these skills and also in, in your people, you then feel if you're the employee or the individual, you then feel empowered or capable of feeling supported in those times yes. where maybe you fell a little bit flat or you need a little extra help. Or even personally, when you're having a tough week and you need work, you know, to maybe cut you a little slack or your teammates will step in and help you and you'll do the next next time someone else needs it. So um, there's a lot here, but um, I think that it comes down to supporting individuals and, um, helping to make, make your people feel supported, valued well, and that could lead to solving for that pain point. I love that. Yeah. Um, we actually have a question. I was wondering if you wanted to take it before we jump into your book a little bit. Does that sure, sound okay? Yes. All right. I'm going to bring it up on the screen here. And the question was, 
How would you deal with workplace toxicity between two employees that you are aware of? So let's say you're advising an organization or you could do it from an individual standpoint. What's some advice you would give them on bettering this relationship based on the framework that you've developed in the knock method? Oh gosh, I I would like to have more information about the situation. I don't have enough detail about the flavor of workplace toxicity or um, if you're aware of it because you're their manager or if you're aware of it because someone confided in you. Like I have so many questions. I don't know if I can answer fairly, but if there's an opportunity to get more detail, I would love to ask for that. If not, I can sort of try to take a, a my best response. I mean, yeah, if it, if it's going to be more detail, it'll come in in two minutes because of the long okay. delay. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that'll help halfway through. Um, yeah. Okay. So workplace toxicity that you know about, did it say between two individuals? Yeah. Between two employees. So like, I think it is from a managerial perspective, like, you know, there's toxicity between two employees and you're their manager. How do you deal with it? Sure. So in that situation, I mean, communicate and also know, know, you know, this is something where getting to know the people that you work with on an individual level will help you later if situations like this arise, because what one person may interpret as something may be completely interpreted differently by another. And so if you, if you build those relationships to really understand what makes someone tick or what throws them off or what offends them or, you know, what their sensitivities are, you would be able to navigate that. I think, um, more, more appropriately in that type of situation. If that relationship hasn't been built yet, or, um, it's maybe a new manager or new employee, then starting to build that relationship, um, starting to ask questions about, um, you know, how you work best at some people like privacy. Some people want to tell you everything. Um, (laughs) I did have an employee, um, on my team previously who, um, had taken a training and he gave me this huge questionnaire that he completed about him and his work style when he came onto my team. And it was hugely valuable. It took a while to to read through and internalize, but it was very helpful to me because I understood more about how he liked to receive feedback. Like some people want you to sort of ease into it. I believe this individual said, you know, like, I would like you to tell me before you're going to give me feedback. So I'm not blindsided. And so if there was ever a time where I had feedback positive or otherwise, I would say, you know, like that was a really great meeting. Like, could I, you know, give you some, some feedback or some ideas? And then he knew, okay, this is coming and it was more direct. So, um, all that is to say, the more you can get to know those individuals, if you're the one, um, who's potentially uh, moderating that conversation dynamic, then, um, you know, trying to get to know them a little bit better. Some people may be guarded in that situation. And so it could take time, but really communicating, getting sort of each person's perspective. Um, and, and then also maybe aligning on the company values or the individual values. So perhaps something got a little bit out of line and maybe you could circle back around understanding and creating an inclusive culture and that that's sort of the, the environment we're trying to create, you know, let's talk about how we could get back to that. Or, you know, how does this maybe not align with your values? Maybe that's why you're struggling with this situation. You know, what is important to you in this situation and, and why, you know, what is your response or what happened? And perhaps there's some underlying value there that you can understand about the person. And sometimes it's just sort of distilling two different languages where um, people aren't speaking the same language, but the third party uh, could identify the common layer. And like objectively saying the same thing, you're just using different words, but you're kind of mismatched. So as a copywriter, you probably face that often. Uh, (laughs) Those are some initial ideas without a lot of context. And it it comes down to really trying to understand people uh, below the surface of their their job title and their job function. I love that. Yes. So it's 
it all comes down to like understanding that humans are interesting creatures that are unique. We like to be talked to in different ways and just understanding that that might make things messy. But when we take the time to listen, to understand, it really helps. Yes, I could not agree more. (laughs) (laughs) And I love I mean, it's the human element, right? Like we're not robots. We're not AI, which could be a whole nother conversation because of the advances that's happening in AI right now. But we have to account for that element as we're trying to create work safety, as we're trying to build those relationships, or else we're not going to make the progress that we need. Do you think that's fair? Uh, Yes, I agree with that perspective. All right. So thank you for answering that question. I think you answered it very well. If there are any follow-up questions, you can slide them into the chat. Um, But would you now talk to us a little bit about your book, which I got to be familiar with this morning? What made you think of writing this book and how does it actually fit into the rest of your business story? Like, how do you use it as far as visibility, uh, getting clients, that sort of thing? How are you using it as a tool to promote yourself? Sure. Thank you for for the opportunity. So uh, the idea for the book came... It's now over seven years ago, Um, but my career is in digital marketing and um, I'm one of the people that has what people call a jungle gym career rather than a ladder where it's not necessarily a straight line, but um, it it still had that common thread of digital marketing. And um, later I sort of discovered that community building and relationship building, but Uh, It took different forms. And so uh, it started off in government technology marketing, and then it switched over to um, digital marketing agencies. And I I founded my own small uh, business startup and and nonprofit marketing consulting company. And then eventually, thank you, I wanted to go back to get some more experience um, with some bigger brands. So I, I worked with some other agencies and then eventually ended up working for a large technology company in their marketing uh, realm. And so kind of looking back, I was a writer, I wrote a blog, but it was more entertainment focused. And, um, but I, I came up with this idea where I was noticing as a blogger, um, I was being reached out to by companies and brands. This was sort of the pre influencer world. Okay. Um, <laughs> promote their brands or products or services or to try it out and see if I wanted to write about it. And, um, I realized that a lot of times the re- the outreach to me was not personalized and to the point where you'll see in the book, like there's an example of an email where someone literally copied and pasted my blog name in there. You can see it's in a different font and it, <laughs> they went down a list, you know, that was not personalized. There weren't a lot of details about, Oh, I noticed, you wrote about XYZ. It's just very much like someone was using a tool to identify websites with certain, you know, Google scores. And they thought maybe this would be a good link to get, um, pointing back to their website. And right. They just care about the backlink. Yes. Which, um, I have my opinions about, but essentially I think that the relationship should be built there first. Um, and of course, if you're ever referring to someone, give them credit where it's due. But when there is sort of this new relationship where it was a product or service I had never tried before and someone was asking me to do that, of course, if there was the opportunity to do that and I was interested in it fit with my theme and my audience and what they wanted to read, then, then I might be open to it. But there were times where it was just very off and I felt like they didn't understand me, but they didn't really take the time to get to know me either. And so I started to notice this trend that it was just very transactional. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, I know that there's a better way because I've been able to build relationships in different ways in my career and it doesn't feel this way. So what are the elements that are present that make it feel like a higher quality connection and what okay. are the elements that are missing when it's not? And so I started to dive into that idea further and, um, then I, I I started interviewing some successful professionals who I thought were building high quality r- relationships, and as a result, one couple built a school. They're in the first chapter of the book. Yeah, they're amazing. I love their story. Thank you. Yes, they're they're awesome. I've been to the school. It's it's amazing. Um, in Chicago, Walcott a college prep shout out, and then yeah. there were nonprofit founders who are combating hunger, and one that supports resources for 
um, people who've been touched by cancer, Twist Out Cancer, shout out to you as well. Uh, and so there are all these individuals or uh, people who have been building relationships. And as a result, they built communities, they built companies, they built organizations that are solving problems and creating, um, you know, having a positive impact. And so I started interviewing people and then I wanted some research to really see why it was working or how it was working. And that's where that third component came in of understanding the value to our health and to our well-being, not just individually, but as teams, as organizations, as communities, when we have tighter threads among each other. And so that's how the idea came to be, was from personal experience being on the receiving end of uh, outreach messages. And um, the second part of your question was, how does it play into the work that I do today? So founded my company, Opportunities Knock, and it is uh, a learning and development company. So I have my curriculum, the Knock Method, that I deliver in multiple formats, online courses, as well as um, providing curriculum to weave into learning and development programs at organizations and companies. And then I teach workshops as well. So it's very malleable and uh, it can be customized to sort of fit an organization's values or even their terminology or the roles that they have on their team and the kind of work that they do. And so I, I teach students uh, and student groups and partner with career services as well. Uh, and nice. so it applies to, uh, sort I say, career growers, career builders, and career changers. So um, if you're building your career, you're maybe a student or, a, or an entrepreneur building a business even. Uh, if you're a career, build, a career grower, you are developing your career, whatever that looks like for you. Perhaps right. you get to the next level. Perhaps you're happy in your role and you're just sort of looking to bring more meaning into your life outside of your role. Perhaps you're looking to move teams um, or maybe even switch careers, uh, which brings us to career changers. And so mm-hmm. it's, um, it's designed to support people at any point in their career that you could come back to the knock method whenever you are preparing for a coffee chat or you need a little confidence boost and you don't have to read it to cover to cover. I wanted it to be something you could sort of flip through and get quick value um, and a quick boost um, of positivity and reminder of how to feel prepared and uh, so that's what I do. And I'm uh, finishing up a graduate certificate program in learning design and technology uh, in year. So Congratulations. Thank you. So that's uh, helped me to upskill myself in instructional design and in, in, um, in education and training. So um, I can craft, mes- uh, craft courses and curriculums for organizations that align around their leadership and development goals uh, connection, inclusion, and then sort of the job search and career readiness. So for new hires and onboarding groups, as well as for workforce development programs. So the book kind of then is supplemental to the education piece, whereas they can get the book, maybe it's part of their materials budget or something like that. Like if we're talking about an increase on ROI, right, for you going and educating, they can do that. But when you're there, you actually customize the lesson so it's better and more intense than the book's frameworks because you're taking that and pulling it out and saying, this is how it works for your organization or this is how it works for your growing career path. Correct. Okay. Yes. And I love that you were able to distill that. So recently I taught a workshop for a women's mentoring program at a, um, a, a biotech company essentially. And oh, it was completely tailored to the mentoring element of the doc method, which is part of uh, step five, which is keep giving practice, generosity and gratitude. That's the last K in, right. not, in the acronym of knock. And so that was customized to the mentorship lens and other times it's very much customized to the job search lens or to the career development or leadership development lens. So again, we come back to this theme of sort of pulling out the pieces that apply to the context yes. uh, and that I'm very high touch, very customized, um, but also the curriculum um, is also able to be delivered in a repeatable format for existing programs or to be built into your learning management system. 
Yeah, I love that. Okay, so are you ready for your one big sentence? This sentence is long, y'all. I'm not going to lie to you. It's long because Rebecca does a lot of stuff, okay? She's a talented individual. She she performs many tasks. So let's go ahead and take a look, and you can tell, tell me where you think there needs to be a little bit of some adjusting. And uh, after that, we're going to tell people exactly how they can get in touch with you to work with you. Does that sound good? That sounds great. Okay, here we go. Like I said, it's long. It's going to take up a giant chunk on the screen here. All right. So this is your one big sentence, okay? I help professionals build better relationships based on research and support that points to the benefits for both employees and employers by creating opportunities for flexibility and further investment in both teams and individuals Trusting that those resources and feelings of work safety, both emotional and physical, will grow both connection and quality in the workplace long term. Wow. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) You should feel pretty great about yourself right now because that's all that's what you do. That's a lot. And it's awesome. Thank you so much. Wow. Um, I love it. I'm already like, my editor will, if he sees this, he would be like, okay, we need to break this down into smaller sentences, which was not my right. I know. Even my editor's heart is like, Kristen, why? But that was the way to get the one big sentence because what you do is so multi-layered, let's say. Thank you. Well, and amazing that you wrote this while we were having a conversation. Um, so I'm breaking it down in my mind and I love it. I think, um, I would probably uh, replace better with deeper relationships. Because oh, yeah. People might ask, like, what is a better relationship? And it can change and it can evolve. And what might be a great relationship now, the way that you and I are interacting on a podcast in two months, we might be interacting on a guest blog post, right? Or another article or some other project. And so a deeper relationship could be longer lasting and, and take different shapes. I um, love that. Let me see the next part. Benefits for both employees and employers and even prospective employees, which I don't think we need to necessarily say, but I think that's um, a but part. If you, yes, if you are one if or if you need one, you should talk to Rebecca. So just throwing that out there. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, flexibility, I love. Uh, and further investment in both teams and individuals, yes. So investing in our employees, um, whether that means emotionally investing to really understand what um, makes them tick or what makes them kind of back off, like in the, the, uh, the question that was asked of us when there is sort of a conflict in the workplace, it could also be that investment in learning and growth and development right? Um, or investing in their development for another role. Like that feels hard sometimes when you, when you're employed. <laughs> yes don't want to lose them, but you know, they're going to be happier. Um, and then trusting that those resources and feelings of work safety. Um, interesting. I love, I would love to hear your thoughts on that piece because that's, that's sort of a new angle that I hadn't articulated previously. Um, I actually, so is it okay if I take it down? Yeah. uh, yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm not actually like an expert in that, but I have a friend who is Kate Donovan. If you want to look her up, she has uh, fried the burnout podcast. Okay. And she when she came on the show last week, she talked so much about work safety as far as like, do they feel safe to even say things? Mm-hmm. Right. But do also they feel physically safe? Because if they don't feel physically safe, they're never going to feel emotionally safe. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was so interesting. And I loved that. And I can, you know, I told like we geeked out on our offices, but I told her, I was like, yeah, there's like so many things in my office that just make me feel safe, like that I put there to make me feel better. So I could be free to work. Yes. And so, yeah. So that's something that I feel like is just coming out like people are just starting to talk about this mm-hmm. so if you're interested more in that you could go listen to the episode or just go listen to her because she's so amazing um but that's her whole that's how she helps people get out of burnout she's like a burnout recovery expert thank you i love that piece and it does point to the well-being part of these high quality relationships and there have been situations in my own career where um, I shared very personal information with my manager or my mentor or people that I worked with 
because I, I needed their support and I needed support in the form of extra time off or just understanding when I wasn't operating at hundred percent. So that, um, psychological safety is a, a part of building these high quality career relationships, uh, that, that I'm hoping to help cultivate. Yeah, that's amazing. All right. So let's say that we have some, what is it? Career builders, career changers. And what's the third one? Career growers. Career growers out there in the world. And they're like, I need Rebecca's help. What is the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yes. Well, I'm very excited because this is the first time I've said this out loud, not much less recorded live. I have a new website. uh, Oh, yay. Please excuse any any kinks that are still being worked out and new bells and whistles coming soon. But the new website is buildmeaningfulcareers.com. Okay. And if you happen to uh, Google the knock method, you will still um, get back to buildmeaningfulcareers.com. But nice. you find information about knock there. Uh, you can purchase your copy of the book and you can also uh, learn about events. I do have monthly knock neighborhood nights where you can come talk to people that might be also going through career uh, challenges or growth, um, or maybe looking to build your network and their casual chats and you can bring your questions, get feedback and sort of informal coaching. So you'll find uh, community resources there and more information about my workshops. All right. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. There's one little question I ask at the end for our listeners who are soaking up your amazing wisdom. If you could tell people out in the professional world, business owners, people who operate businesses, one little nugget of wisdom, what would it be? And if it's something you already said, feel free to reiterate it. For business owners? Business owners and operators, anyone who's in business, right? One idea is that um, success takes a long time. Sometimes it does not happen overnight, which we know. Um, But recently I wrote about planting seeds and that sometimes opportunities come from seeds planted years ago, months ago, decades ago. So if you're going through a challenging time, just keep going and knowing that the seeds that you're planting now could come to fruition tomorrow, or it could take a little while. Um, and, and that's sort of my advice. You know, people have said to me when someone said to me, Oh, you're way ahead of me. You wrote a book. And I said, do you know that it took me six years to write it? And they, they had no idea because you see the outcome. And so know that as a business owner or operator, know that the work that you're doing behind the scenes, um, is contributing to your outcomes, even if it's not visible yet. So I love that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And if you want to write a book way faster than six years, just hire me to write it for you. Oh, so I'll throw that out there. <laughs> yes. All right. Sorry then, but... I know. No, I'm saying for all the people right now who are like, I really need a book. Yeah. I will help you with that. If you want to work with me, I would love it. Um, thank you so much, Rebecca, for coming on. And I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. And I want to remind all of the listeners that your business story matters. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to my mom's radical podcast. Cool face emoji. And if you want to be radical like my super awesome mom, then you should totes check out her impact accelerator. You just need to leave a review of this podcast and screenshot that baby and send it to impact at literarysymmetry.com. And like my mama always says, your business story matters. Hey, I don't sound like that. Let's do copyright.